Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Thanks for joining us for the COB on this Tuesday, the 28th of July. I'm Nadine Blaney, Scuddy. It was, well, how are you, first of all? I'm great. It's a Tuesday, turnaround Tuesday, but this time it uh, wasn't a spectacular turnaround in the right direction. It was uh, obviously a bit of weakness that crept in today, which was a bit of surprising considering how we started. Yeah, it's surprising, but not when you put all of the ingredients together, right? If you've got a recipe that makes a positive day, we saw a real turn in sentiment and it happened right around the news hour. And it's related, I think, to you know one of the overarching themes that we've been so enthusiastic about lately, which of course is gold. Yeah, gold, and I think from a, a broader top-down perspective, it was probably more the US dollar index, but gold obviously pricing US dollars is big influence. Uh, but yeah, just, it's all seemed to go and turn at once and you throw in low volumes, which we saw today. You throw in uh, no, speculative activity, which we've clearly seen in the market over the past couple of months. A uh, bit of caution creeping in before Earnings season really gets underway in the next couple of days. Uh, it's not too surprising, but uh, one thing that caught my eye was that uh, both stocks and bonds were selling off today. Uh, so yields higher, so that does have impact on other areas of the market that are yield sensitive, obviously. Yeah, uh, we spoke with Martin Crabb, CIO at Sean Partners, just before the market, actually just after the market closed. He also pointed to that payrolls data. I mean, that wasn't very, wasn't crash hot. We still have increasing COVID cases in Victoria, uh, you know, so there could have been a few local factors at play as well. Oh, undoubtedly, but it was at 11.30, so we know that Chinese, mainland Chinese markets are really up in full flight by that stage, so increased liquidity moves through the, uh, through the region. So who knows, you, you touch upon the, uh, the payrolls report. Uh, it was pretty disappointing, particularly that it wasn't just driven by Victoria. The, most other states are also seeing a decline in payrolls at this stage, so it does point to second round uh, no firings taking place. And obviously, that's before we've seen a reduction in JobKeeper at the end of, uh, end of September. So there is a few things to go and keep us a bit nervous about for the time being. Certainly so. We were chatting with Brian Parker from Sun Super. He's the chief economist there. We were looking for a preview of this inflation data, but pretty much everybody who we talked to about the inflation data that's due tomorrow at 11.30 is saying, look, it's not, it's not going to be instructive. We know that there's going to be you know, a record fall in inflation, nothing around the corner of any note. So yeah, I don't think that will move the markets, do you? No, it'd have to be a really, really big surprise in one direction or the other. Uh, and even then, there's so many one-off factors that I'm not sure you can read too much into it. The one thing we know almost certainly at this stage is that uh, the disinflationary pulse that we're going to see this quarter, uh, we'll see deflation when it comes to the headline figure, but the disinflationary pulse because economic conditions are so weak at the moment, not only here but abroad. So that's going to be around for quite a few years, hence why central banks are going to be printing money. They're going to be very stimulative. Government's going to be stimulative because they know that you cannot go and have a cycle where you fall into deflation. That becomes really damaging. Consumer confidence was out today, showing the impact of further lockdowns in Melbourne. But we did get a bit of a silver lining story. 
from Zero. So we spoke with its managing director, Trent Innes, and he said that Aussie small tech, small businesses that are in the tech space are thriving during the pandemic. So if you'd like to hear a bit of an optimistic take on yeah, how resilient small businesses and where some of those green shoots are coming through, uh, you can do that and you can access that via the show notes at the bottom of the page. Now you can also uh, you know, access the show notes about uh, an interview that we did to start our session together, Scotty, with Jason Steed. He's equities research at JP Morgan. I thought the conversation was so interesting. He was saying that it's a once in a lifetime reporting season that we are getting here in Australia, but also overseas. So, you know, he says it's really crucial for the remainder of calendar 2020. It's crucial when we start to see how corporates will come through it, obviously, and, you know, really does expect this lockdown in Melbourne to, you know, continue to have an impact on companies. So that's that's Jason Steed that you can listen to via the show notes. But, you know, U.S. earnings is just going to to dominate tonight. Yes, we've got uh, Mickey D's, Maccas is out, a few other names. But uh, I think later in the week when you can't get past Alphabet, Apple, Amazon, my goodness, that is a big chunk of the U.S. equity market right there. So that undoubtedly is going to have some kind of impact on the local market. Uh, when they come out. so But that- hey, 80% of companies have beat the street on bottom line earnings, according to Refinitiv. Scotty, anything to see there? No, not really. It's, it's, uh, it's part and parcel of the reporting season, isn't it? Uh, I think every These time, days. Every time we go and uh, see reporting season, uh, we have this uh, trait where we see uh, analysts go and continually lower their expectations to the point where they become so low that uh, almost all companies beat. So nothing's uh, different on this occasion. So as I mentioned in the, uh, the note today, uh, I go and use a scale of adjustment myself. So I basically seasonally adjust for permanent pe- pessimism, should I say, <laughs> uh, for analysts out there. So no, when a big beat is really a beat and then a beat is really in line you know, and then you can see where it goes to. When it's an actual miss and you see this uh, in the share price reaction where often misses are punished severely, uh, that's like, you know, we'll get out of here right now. Yeah, okay. Well, we did have a few companies reporting here in Australia today. It's kicking up a notch. It's one of my favorite times of the year. We did get an update from Temple and Webster. Temple and Webster shares up by 6%. Look, we spoke with a lot of people about this one. The big question always is, can this trend continue? Does it justify you know, the valuation that this company now has attached to it? Uh, you know, It only floated um, in 2016. Uh, as Sue Mitchell from the AFR actually tweeted, it was once known as the worst float of the year. It's now worth $1 billion. And a lot of that came through COVID. I know you're skeptical when it comes to the amount of stimulus that's been put in this economy when it comes to the retailers, even online retailers, Scotty? Oh, undoubtedly. Nadine, yourself, you know, it wasn't too long ago, a couple of weeks back, you said this doesn't feel like a recession because there's so much income being flushed through the economy. Yeah. Uh, take that away, and I think we, won't, we probably wouldn't see not only the likes of Temple and Webster, but other companies performing anywhere near as strongly as we've seen over the past quarter. Temple and Webster, as I mentioned, up 6%. GUD Holdings reported today up by 4%. Um, you know, we had Credit Corp doing really well today, up by 9%. It did prov- provide forward guidance. In fact, it was one of the biggest movers on the 200 today. Do you notice a theme, though? They've all beaten. Yeah. The share prices have all rallied. So that's part of my thesis as to what goes on here. But I find over time what happens is that the market readjusts to go and those expectations were too pessimistic. And then all of a sudden you start seeing the earnings that come through not have the same clout 
uh, they're in line. Yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought the share price reaction in GUD was pretty interesting. I'll be interested to see uh, what the brokers have to say about that one going forward. I note that Emico yesterday fell off the back of its results, but today, even on a day that we saw. You know, pretty heavy selling in by the end of the session. Uh, Emico is up by 7.6%. So we're going to continue to test that thesis, I think, because we're going to be talking about reporting season for weeks and weeks and weeks. By the dip. By the dip. <laughs> okay. um, so that's a couple of the big stock moves of the day. To the downside, we saw Resolute Mining off by 5%. Because, yeah, that was another hallmark. I mean, those gold miners were up high. Uh, to start the session and then you know all finished lower pretty incredible i must admit we were live on air at the time and i was watching the gold price drop precipitously like it was going down pretty fast and i was looking at what the australian stocks were doing in gold miners and they were all still flying i was like geez if i had my uh, had an account open i might go and sell stuff <laughs> obviously i'm not doing that live on air but uh it, geez it was looking at one of those opportunities like a mispricing that you only see every so often don't tell me we're gonna to have to get you to disclose your holdings and all these companies that we talk about scuddy big donut yeah okay well perpetual was also one to watch today it ended the day down by four and a half percent so it, it came off the back of news from yesterday, looking to raise capital to partially fund a 75% acquisition of Barrel Henley. It's a US-based asset manager for $465 million. We chatted again with uh, Martin Crabb, CIO, at Sean Partners about this one. He said, look, uh, you know, the company has had to do something. They brought in a CEO, and he is looking to grow the business. It was the stock of the day on the call. Here's what Nathan Salem Sundrum from Blue Ocean Equities had to say about PPT. Um, I don't see the big kicker. It hides their underperformance, but it does have a lot of good pieces locally. Um, the infrastructure side of things, or more or less kind of infrastructure side of things for yeah. funds management, is a good model for Perpetual. So it could come out of it smiling well, but it doesn't excite me. This, this kind of tells me there's a bit more risk. I want to see execution. I want to see uh, at least a half or a full year numbers run through the whole thing before I jump onto it. I agree. This is top of the market sort of stuff as well. I mean, the valuations aren't exactly. Yeah, you know, I know. I see most of the brokers have actually upgraded the valuations on Perpetual, which is kind of interesting. So, obviously, mm -hmm. seeing maybe we're not paying through the t through the you know nose for it, but the t the timing's risky here. You know, we're we're about to enter sort of you know some murkier waters, sort of um, tighter time. So, you know, they're really going to have to go go through. I, th I think the equity market's going to be tough for the next sort of probably twelve to twenty four months, and then. Yeah. So you're really going to have to weather that sort of storm and then come out the other end. And that was Gary Glover from Novus Capital ending the thoughts on Perpetual there. We already talked about inflation. That's due at 11.30. Let's run our listeners through who's on tomorrow. This is a group that you've got a lot of respect for now, Scotty. So BCA, um, the Global Chief Strategist, uh, Caroline Miller, will be joining us live from Montreal to discuss some of the top macro trades for 2020. Uh, we will be speaking with Chris Rands, who's a PM at Nico Asset Management at 11.30. Looking forward to that one. Of course, we'll be covering all of what happens when it comes to reporting season. The big one, of course, is Rio, which doesn't drop until, you know, around 4 p.m. local time. But we'll be speaking with Carl Redenbach. He's the CEO of Live Tiles. We'll get uh, fourth quarter update coming from that company tomorrow. We'll be speaking with Matt Berry. So he is the CEO of Freelancer.com. Um, we'll get a sense of what that business did and how it performed through the COVID crisis. So lots of sort of interesting thematics to talk about there with him. That's at 1.10. And at 3.10, we will be speaking with the CEO of Dim Dimerics, I think is how you pr pronounce it, Dr. Nina Webster. So 
It is still in a trading halt pending results of trials of a kidney disease drug, but we will be getting that announcement tomorrow. The share price of that company is up by 25% in the next in the past six months. So that's at 3.10 p.m. Scotty, I'm scratching the surface there. There are too many great guests to mention. One thing I know is you will be here with me and I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. So we've got the Fed, uh, Fed kicking off their meeting tonight as well. So that's going to be uh, know, something that will obviously impact our markets later in the week. So it's all happening, uh, but uh, we'll be having it all covered here right here in Osgoode. 